All right, welcome to the latest podcast edition of White Collar Crimes. I'm your host, Ryan Horn, and as always, we are very happy to have you aboard for another week. Let's face it, a lot of the ones we do on here don't really have happy, positive, kind of feel-good endings to them, but this is one little bit of a change of direction, and we've been doing that a little bit more here of late and try to kind of mix it up and give you a wide variety because white-collar crime is a very wide spectrum of offenders, motives, things like that. It's not quite as cut and dry and black and white as you would think. There, believe it or not, are a lot of gray areas in white-collar crime. And as I said, most of these don't really have an overall terribly positive ending. But this one, the story of Jeffrey D. Grant in a story that was run before called Life After White-Collar Crime, We have one that ends a little bit on a little bit more of a positive note and will hopefully continue that way into the future. Now, Jeffrey D. Grant was a wealthy New York attorney, and he was known to take his family, his wife and kids, on very lavish shopping trips, made a lot of money, and was not afraid to spend it or show it. And he himself was born to a pretty affluent family. His father was a marketing executive in New York. And he aspired to wealth and power, from what they report, at a fairly young age. And he worked his way through law school, working as a shoe salesman. I had to laugh because he's from a lavish background, and he's working as a shoe salesman and of course anytime anybody my age if you're gen x if you think of a shoe salesman you think of al bundy who (laughs) was anything but wealthy but uh he did score four touchdowns in one game once so that kind of carried him through his career as a shoe salesman i guess but uh anytime i think of a shoe salesman you just can't help but think of uh of al bundy but he did work his way through law school even though he was wealthy and came from a pretty affluent background i guess you could say he still was uh humble enough i guess at that time he was willing to work as a shoe salesman while he was going through law school he developed some skills at this time in law school and early in his legal practices where he was known to kind of really muscle his way into an advantage in any situation. Very aggressive personality, very gung-ho, as I said, willing to muscle in on any situation and turn it to the best to his advantage. And that did carry on into his real estate career because he became known as a very cutthroat real estate attorney. But things began to change by about the time he reached his mid-40s, which not too far off from my age either. Speaking of my age and Gen X and Al Bundy, this is an age, and for those of you that are in your 40s and above, it is a very rapid uh, time of change in your life. I'll have to say the 40s for me has been, and mine's about to be over here in just a couple of months, a very quick decade, definitely the fastest of my life compared to even 20s and 30s didn't go by nearly as quickly as 40s did here I'd have to say but uh, this was a big time of change in his life because at this time he became addicted to Demerol and Oxycontin two very powerful painkillers and I personally in my years of law enforcement have seen the damage these especially from Oxycontin how powerfully addictive these are and the levels that people will go to to get the money to do these the crimes they are willing to commit 
to get the money for these, the fraud they're willing to commit with their doctors and the healthcare industry to get these meds. Very, very powerful and dangerous drugs. And they're highly addictive, and it doesn't matter if you're the homeless drug addict on Skid Row or you're a wealthy attorney that came from an affluent background. They play no favor, these types of drugs, and they can become highly addictive and destroy lives regardless of what type of background you come from. And it would be no different with Jeffrey D. Grant because he was reported to become very reckless in his stock investing at that time because prior to this time, he was a very successful real estate attorney in New York, which if you're in real estate, New York's where it's at, at least has been for many years. Maybe it's not probably trending that way now with the shape New York is falling in. But uh, at this time, a lot of money to be made, and he had made it. But he become very became very reckless with his stock investing and very reckless with his family's money and their investments toward the future and everything of that sort. And despite the amount of money he had and he came from, soon his debts mounted and he began embezzling money from clients' escrow accounts. These are accounts that a lot of times attorneys will set up these escrow accounts for settlements or things like that that they've gotten payouts depending on how it's going to be paid out, if it's going to be paid out all at once or if they're getting it in uh, lump sum, or not lump sums, but in installments or payments or things like that. It will depend on, I guess, the judgment or whatever type of arrangements are made. But many of these had these set up for various reasons, and this was not his money, it was his clients. But he began embezzling from them in order to probably most most likely finance his addiction to these two drugs. And even applied for a a disaster relief loan from the Small Business Administration, claiming he lost an office near Ground Zero on 9-11, September 11, 2001, which if you're of, you know, any type of age at all, you know what happened on that day. These were the days of the terrorist attacks in New York when the the Twin Towers, as they were known at the time, were bombed or the planes crashed into them and destroyed them. Very uh, sad day for American history to this day. I don't know that the country's ever been the same from this time, even though it was certainly prideful for a lot of Americans to see at that time. I know I remember it. I was in my late 20s, I think, at the time and was working at the sheriff's office and just seeing how the country rallied around each other and the pride it took uh, to get back on track and people put differences aside. I don't know if that'd be possible now. The country's so divided on so many things, but this was over 20 years ago. It was a little different at that time and people rallied around to do it, but this was a very solemn day. It's a very hurtful day because of the thousands of death that occurred It's a very sensitive topic, and it certainly didn't bid well for him and his character and his reputation that he falsified losing a business in this area when, in fact, he did not because this is a very solemn area now for what it's known what happened here. So he received a loan from the Small Business Association for $247,000, but as we pointed out, he didn't have a business near Ground Zero, even though he reported having one there to get the money. So this was used for personal, quote-unquote, and office expenses. And most likely by personal, we're most likely knowing that pretty sure at that time it was to feed his drug addiction. Now soon after this, though, investigators began investigating his embezzlements, again with the clients and their money. And as we talk about in all types of Ponzi schemes or any schemes like this, the a lot of times these 
the curtain comes down on these scams when people start asking for their money and it's not there and there's nowhere to shift around or move it and that's when a lot of time these offenders get caught and that's what pretty much happened here he was investig he was investigated for embezzling these as i said these escrow accounts that had been set up for clients that were supposed to go to his pay their payments were supposed to go to them not him but he embezzled the money and he was soon disbarred from practicing law in new york and that happens a lot. Last week we talked about Charles Kushner, who was disbarred at the time from practicing law for his crimes, and many others that we've talked about. Uh, former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, and actually recently, not too awfully long ago, the Illinois State Bar Association upheld his disbarment, even though he appealed that after his release from prison. But nonetheless, uh, that's what happened to him here. And his life at this time continued to spiral out of control. In fact, it spiraled out of control so badly, he reported under duress. At one point, he attempted suicide on an overdose of Demerol. But he did survive, and he did enter rehab soon after that. Now, as I said, his life was spiraling out of control, and it was reported at this time his marriage failed and it was over. So he's deep in debt. He's been disbarred. He's being criminally investigated. He is hopelessly addicted to these drugs so bad to the point that he's having to enter rehab. His reputation shot, he's stolen money from clients. He falsified a business in the Ground Zero area in 9-11 claiming it was lost when it was not. So it's not really probably possible to get a whole lot worse for this guy at this point. Now the IRS soon discovered his false loan application and a warrant was issued. And again, we've talked many times, people have tried to uh, get around the IRS and it just doesn't happen. We've talked about whether it's Leona Helmsley, Wesley Snipes, on and on. Several uh, white collar criminals have fallen to this agency by trying to skirt around and not pay taxes or report things. And most of the time, they just don't get away with it, no matter how rich and powerful they are. As we've talked about, uh, the feds use the tax laws to take down Al Capone. People think, probably from the movies with the untouchables and the things like that, and Elliot Ness and all these things, that they took him down the old-fashioned way, just like in the Wild West what or whatnot. But that's not what happened. They got Al Capone on failing to pay taxes, sent him to prison on that. It had nothing to do with uh, the murders, murder for hire, the gun and alcohol, which was illegal at that time, so it was basically like drug trafficking. None of that is what brought Al Capone down. What brought Al Capone down was not paying his taxes. So this is another problem he's got added to what he's got going on. And he would eventually plead guilty to a variety of federal charges and would eventually be sentenced as part of this plea to 18 months in federal prison, which considering... What all he's involved in, stealing money from clients, falsifying a loan with the feds, not paying some taxes probably, and lying on the loan application, I'd say that's probably a pretty good deal, honestly. But nonetheless, he, of course, he's also been disbarred, so he's going to lose a chance to practice law and earn an income, at least the way he's used to. But the guy, even though despite the fairly light sentence, the judge did scold him for taking advantage of a national tragedy. As we said, Ground Zero, that's an area of a lot of sorrow and sadness for a lot of people. And to lie and take advantage saying something happened there that didn't, that's going to be something that I would say a lot of New Yorkers may not ever forgive him for, despite maybe his efforts, as we'll see in a little bit, of possible redemption. 
So he served, uh, and like I said, he, he gets sentenced to 18 months in prison. The judge scolds him. And normally this is where the story would end or we'd begin wrapping up about him doing his time, maybe a little discussion on when he might get out, what he can do from there, if he's likely to offend again, all those type of things. But as we said at the beginning of this podcast, this one, this episode does have a little bit of a different ending to it and a little twist to the plot where it goes and he was released after 14 months of the 18 month sentence which is not unusual at all you know if you get good behavior a lot of times you can get out a little bit earlier so he probably did well while he was in there enough to earn that and he was released to a halfway house in 2007 as I said after serving about 14 months now with no law license as I said he's lost a chance to earn a living in the way that he's used to, he decided to donate and devote his time to volunteer work, mostly at rehab facilities, because after all, he knows what it's like to suffer from drug addiction, having been addicted to Demerol and Oxycontin. Now, he would eventually change his focus, and I guess you could say felt a call to the ministry, and he would work toward and eventually obtain a divinity degree from the Union Theological Seminary. Pretty prominent theological seminary, so no uh, small feat in getting in or earning a degree from there. And this is the point where he takes his life in a different direction, too, because he starts what's called the Progressive Prison Project. And this is a ministry that is focused on white-collar offenders. I found this pretty interesting and fascinating because I knew of no ministry like this existing been doing this podcast for a couple years now and as i said i studied a lot of white collar crime in graduate school and i was not aware of any support group like this i know plenty of them for drug addictions gambling we've covered uh, arch leister the former ohio state uh, football star played a little while for the colts i think and uh you know some of the things that are out there for gamblers some of those things are out there for drug addicts but I'd never heard of one, and there's probably not a whole lot out there for white-collar offenders because it's just it just doesn't get the attention that it needs. But he understood what it's like to fall prey to white-collar crime, having been disbarred for embezzling clients' monies and getting in trouble with the IRS over a falsified application. Again, probably some tax issues, things like that involved as well. He knows what it's like. So these are two areas he targets on trying to help people in re- and get people rebounded and back on their, their feet and back on with their lives. And he would also remarry at this time. As we said, his life spiraled out of control enough to the point that he lost his marriage. But he was able to remarry and, again, focus on helping addicts and particularly white-collar criminals. Now, as I said, he's been disbarred. He wouldn't be able to practice law, but that doesn't mean he cannot give legal advice or kind of work as we always talk about on here as a consultant kind of behind the scenes and it's been reported that many of the white collar criminals that he's counseled and facing legal action would seek his advice and counsel on things i mean after all he went through the whole process did a short time in prison he knows the whole uh process how it plays out so he's one that could probably give good advice uh again as a consultant he can't to my knowledge since he's still disbarred he cannot practice law or help these folks out in the courtroom but it doesn't mean they can't ask his legal opinions and any type of advice or counsel or anything on what direction they should go on with their case because having been there himself he's not only with his legal knowledge but his knowledge of 
being on the other side of the bars could come in handy in this point. And to his credit, up to this point, he's used it to, to help people in that situation. Now, in 2016, just a few, not too many years ago, about seven years ago, he established a white-collar support crime support group. And like I said, we know plenty about support groups for drug addicts and gamblers and, you know, sexual addictions, things like that. But there's not any out there for people who struggle with this. And who knows, he may end up starting very much a long-term trend here on kind of starting to see white-collar crime for what it is, that it is a criminal behavior it, it does you know many of these offenders suffer from different type of gluttonies and addictions and and as I said that's something we'll take on down the road been meaning to for a while with uh, going to have a Lutheran pastor on here eventually when we can get our schedules coordinated to talk a little bit about uh, how this is a deadly sin and how it can really damage people's lives and how greed and gluttony can uh, this pastor just recently became a grandfather, so I'm not sure if he'll be able to get out here really soon, but it is something that is on the radar down the road and hopefully to bring that soon. Enjoy having guests on this show and look forward to his insight at it from a spiritual or theological standpoint. Up until now, we've always looked at it from a more legal and practical standpoint, but should be some interesting stuff. But it is out there. He is doing that. He is counseling and helping these guys. And now he's supposedly reportedly living in Connecticut. As I said, he was from New York. And he's continuing his work. And it's been reported he's had pretty good success stories helping a lot of these folks out that were are now in situations he once found himself in. So like I said, a lot of these turn out badly, but at least he has turned this into something positive. And he continues his work. Uh, multiple success stories being reported. So opioid addiction began his downfall, and as we've talked about many times, different crooked pharmaceutical companies, just the overall opioid crisis, we did a podcast on that quite a while back, I believe back in 2021. It's some serious folks, uh, serious stuff out there, folks, and if you are listening and suffering from it, I know I have tons of my clients in probation that, that struggle with these things, but there is help out there. And one number I do want to give, if you yourself listening, or if you even happen to know anybody, you can call the SAMHSA National Hotline at 1-800-662-4357. Again, 1-800-662-4357. If you or someone you know is suffering from opioid addiction, don't let them or don't let yourself let it spiral out of control where it could potentially destroy your life. Now, to this guy's credit, Mr. Grant, he is, looks like, working towards redeeming himself and doing a lot of positive things, and we want to encourage him to continue to do that. I think that's awesome because I've not had many podcasts like that yet. We've had a few where people have kind of turned it around into something positive when they got out and worked towards uh, redeeming themselves and paying their debt back to society, but doesn't happen a lot, but uh, kudos to him for trying this and really doing something with his life to turn a really bad situation into something positive. So we wish him well if he's listening to this or someone that knows him is. We hope he can continue to do these things and help that and help stop the spread of white-collar crime because it's harmful, folks. It rips off everyday people who cannot afford to be ripped off in these situations. So we want to continue to have uh, this available out there. So kudos to him. I hope he can keep doing that. We thank you for tuning in this week for this one. Look forward to seeing you again next week. 
As always say, uh, follow us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to us at. Give us a five-star rating. We certainly appreciate that. We uh, hope you'll follow us on Facebook. Keep up to date with our updates and any type of changes we have. Very appreciative of you that tune in each week and then also can give us ideas for a show. As I always say, if you want an idea for a show or if you want to be on this show, be a guest, we've had both, email me at ryanhornvt at gmail.com. That's ryanhornvt at gmail.com. And uh, as always, if you need a voiceover work, check out my website, ryan-horn.com. Always appreciative of that. Got some audio books coming out soon that we'll be mentioning on here once they are released. And as always, do like to encourage you as well. Please support your local pet shelter and please look out for your friends and family and yourself from being scammed because the scams are out there and they're not going anywhere. And as I always say, especially look out for your elderly friends and family because those are the ones that are going to be scammed the most and targeted the most. So please watch out for them. But we thank you again for tuning in. God bless. We will see you here next week. Take care, everybody.